0: Hi everyone, welcome to Success with Style. I'm Lance Avery-Morgan. I have Rob Giardinelli here with me and our special guest, Natalie Bond-Bloomingdale. Hello. We're glad to have you here, Natalie. Thank you for joining us.
1: It's another brilliant day at Morning Garden. That's
0: so true. I know, morning, Coming to you live from Morning Garden Studios, right?
1: Exactly. My favorite place to be.
0: Where else would you want to be tonight? today, This afternoon? So
2: we've got Natalie here today who is the founder of The Sill which stands for Stuff I Love which is a which is a platform and Natalie feel free to elaborate on it but it's a platform I understand of your favorite of your favorite things with some of your favorite designers. What are some of the things people can find on that?
1: Well, basically, it's a, a platform, an e-commerce destination for pieces that are unavailable anywhere else on the internet. So um, some some of the pieces are one of a kind. So by nature, they're not found anywhere else. But others, um, designers, you know, give me exclusives on things or, or let me choose the, the pieces that I like and um, they pull it from their websites or they don't let it go to third-party retailers. So it's a fun destination.
0: And it runs the gamut from um, clothing, accessories, jewelry. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: I have a lot. What well, it started with a couple of Texas designers. I'm Texan, and proudly so, even though I live in California. And um, one of the designers didn't have an internet platform. She had just no e-com and didn't have a website and, you know, wasn't so responsive or great on email. And anytime I would wear her pieces, um, people would wonder how they could get their hands on it or wh- where they fa- where I found it. Or, and, you know, I kind of threw my hands up at one point and just, I'm going to make this – bring this online for you because mm-hmm. other people need to know how to shop. Her name is Tish Cox. Um, and then one of my very dear girlfriends who I was just with um, the, yesterday, as you know, um, she lived here in Austin, and she has a kind of a trunk show model of – jewelry design. And so again, I you know doesn't didn't really have a web presence and I wanted to change that. And all of these things have kind of it snowballed into something bigger and now I'm adding new designers all the time and um, it's really been fun to source new talent.
0: And everything has to start somewhere.
2: It does. And you know, my question for you Natalie is it takes a really special ambitious person to say, you know, out of almost frustration, I want to, I want something so that people have a, have a broader voice with their whatever they have whether it's you know any type of clothing or it's perfume or what or jewelry or whatever it is how um what made you really decide I'm going to go and do this
1: well i my day job is fashion pr i've been in pr since i was in lance's office many many years ago and um my role in that world is really to broaden the circle of cheerleaders, if you will, for any kind of brand or you know product or service or um, entrepreneur, and I do that in, in that role via you know media relations. Whereas with the sill, it's it's tapping into that. It's ser- sort of is an extension of that. You know, we're we're looking. I'm I'm hoping to bring these pieces and these brands and these you know designer names that n- may not be as familiar, um, and widening their their cheerleader circle. You know, and and in, in building you know, new fans and new, um, new engagement, new excitement, new, you know, new fans, new followers, um, just uh, broadening their sort of world in a positive way. Right.
2: So tell us about, um, the the overarching type of style that you think's on, on, on the sale platform. What, what does it, when you see it for the, when someone sees it for the first time, what, what do you think they'll think about
0: that? Who's your girl, Right. (laughs) Besides me. you, me, your girl. Really, okay. it
1: has. I mean, that is the. There isn't, you know, really one kind of broad stroke thing I can say to It's just basically I, I have to. It has to. I have to love it, and I, I. It has to be something I would put in my closet. And to on that to that point, it's not for everyone. I mean, some people really do not get it, and that's totally fine. There's so many websites out there that they can go shop. <laughs> this is. This is for. Um, I've noticed that my customers really have an innate sense of self. They really understand their style. They're, they don't apologize about, you know, they, they really understand what they like and they're, they're very quick to tap into that. You know, they, they see something, they know it they know how they're, well, what it'll, how it'll look on their form. And that's kind of how I am. I, I'm, it's, it's a very kind of certain person that has an eye that, you know, they know, they know.
0: (laughs) It's like the old adage that I'll know it when I see it sort of thing. And I think that you're your girl your ideal consumer she knows herself she knows what works for and by this time she knows what doesn't i think that's really important because there's so much noise out there of lots of
1: fast fashion fast
0: fashion and mm-hmm. this is not fast at all
1: no i i think a lot of the pieces are almost works of art a lot of you know there's a brazilian designer that um, everything's made by hand it takes many months to create her name is martha medeiros um, you know cassie builds her jewelry via hand and you know there's just they're, they're special pieces, but mm-hmm. they're not—they're not, you know, mass brands that we all know. And they're not, you know, advertisers, and they're not, you know, out there in, in the way that a lot of brands today are. So to me, that's really a special thing. And one one thing that's interesting that I've seen with my customers is that a lot of them are in the interior design world. So mm-hmm. they're either designers, or or they are textile—you know—they they work in in fabrics, or they so they all kind of have this unique. Strand of you know design, love of design, and and you know a lot of Tish Cox's pieces are very architectural, and I think, I think that's been fun to see. You mm-hmm. know where these little closet children are going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and you're, yeah, your consumer has an elevated sense of style.
1: They they can, or you know, they just they want to try something new because maybe they're maybe the Instagram you know way of fashion is becoming you know they're fatigued by it.
0: Mm-hmm. Kardashian nation
2: (laughs) so what would you say to somebody who is to that point who does get overwhelmed where they don't feel as though they've necessarily got a point of view Um, how how would you recommend that they you know that they go about finding that
1: I just think it has to speak to them in some way you know same thing with art you know, people that, you know, I'm not very educated in the world of art, but if I see something, it just speaks to me in a in, in a way that I can't even put my finger on or really elegantly describe here. It, it's just, if something speaks to you, if it, maybe it's a, the way something lays or it's a beautiful fabric or something that harkens back to your, you know, grandmother's closet or, you know, an intricate little design, you know, lace on something or, or, or a way that the wire is done. And just, it just, any little thing that speaks to you and it, you know, same thing, it is the same with art to me, and that's, you know, I don't really buy for the artist's name or because, you know, it would look good in my certain wall that I'm trying to fill. I buy art because, you know, there's something that really speaks to me deeply, and or, or it reminds me of something. Or, you know, there's some, there needs to be a reason, I think. And that's, I think, with shopping in general. Like, I think it's kind of grotesque when people just go like to the mall and just go nuts and you know bring home bags just for to fill a saturday you know bags (laughs) bags of
0: fast food slash fast fashion
1: right (laughs) i mean it's certainly fun every now and then i don't i've definitely done that in my day but you know i think having a a reason is Mm -hmm. a nice way to shop and spend you know hard-earned money
0: (laughs) now you mentioned native texan and your grandmother's closet tell us about your background and how that may have helped or, you know, helped your path?
1: Well, uh, my parents wonder where, what happened and where this came from. because this alien child named <laughs> Natalie Bob <Yes>. Bloomingdale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mother does not care at all about fashion. And, you know, growing up where I grew up in Vernon, Texas, we didn't have... Um, you know any really access to any brand names that you guys would know you know we had um, bells and which was great and gibsons and alco and when i was in high school we got a walmart um but in order to get like your prom dress you would drive 3 hours to dallas yeah um and then a 3 hour so that's a 6 hour round trip mm-hmm. to go to a you know and target was an hour you know that's where we also had dillard's but so my fashion just wasn't really part of my you know my my both of my grandmothers had a, an amazing I didn't learn this till much later, but one of them had a personal Neiman's shopper that would send them things, so that's why she always looked so chic, but, um, you know, fashion just wasn't really part, you know, I didn't really care and, and didn't really, it wasn't part of me, um, but I think I've always sought sort of the unfamiliar, and, you know, I've never really been a big brand, you know, I, I, I like the unique, and I've always kind of beat to my own drum, maybe because of that, so... Um, you know, finding talent or or something, just a some neat blouse or something that no one else would have. I mean, I think that's another thing is that when you're, you know, in such a small community, everyone kind of wears the same, you know, Abercrombie you know, or whatever it is that we all liked in high school. And everyone is this trying to find something different and not be so. You know, I, sh- I definitely had a shopping problem, I guess, early on. I would get those magazines and mow the lawn in order to <laughs> get my Delia's fix. Or the other magazine was Alloy or, you know, sending my checks in the mail to get special things that no one else in my high school would have. So.
0: Isn't that fun, though? It <laughs> so fun. Magazines. It seems to be a recurring theme it, with, with Natalie here. It really
2: does. Yeah. So um, when you were a child, what magazines spoke to you?
1: I was outside so much. Um, my mother did not really love us just reading these trashy, any kind of naughty magazines, like Seventeen or something. You know, <laughs> I read a lot of Delia's and Alloy, I guess the Neiman Marcus book probably. Um, I was outside a lot. I didn't, my love for magazines really happened when I was in college and worked for Brilliant magazine. Oh. And one of the most rewarding things you know, in my Working life has been to see my byline in a print magazine. So opening up Brilliant Magazine, which Lance, as we all know, um, ran, and seeing my little name in print—you know, uh, for some story that I had written or a compilation of images or you know wh- whatever it was that you assigned to me. So ever since then, I, I caught sort of the bug, and I've I love reading. Now I I just, that's all I read. I really, my husband or anybody will say, well, what book are you, you know, what what are you reading now? You know, I have no recommendations. I read magazines. I don't, I haven't read a book in so long, but growing up, I read books and not magazines. I was a library champ.
0: Well, Well, it's interesting that you speak to the, um, sort of the curated look at fashion when truly a magazine is very curated. It's very specific. It has a very specific point of view usually. And so it seems like that's right in line with your, with how you operate.
1: Things are changing in, you know, in that world where advertisers get a lot of, um, and that's something that, you know, is kind of a broader conversation. But, you know, advertisers are really getting the line share of the editorial now, which I think is very sad. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the sill is sort of, we're waiting for the pendulum to swing back the other way toward the individual and toward a point of view that's not biased by ad dollars and right. you know that it feeds into sort of also the the blogger sphere and you know the the influencers i mean they you know now have to put ad but i mean they're paid by these brands that they wear and you know i i like the individual and i like the unique and you know i don't really believe in in that i think everyone should you know it's a great tool to to see you know what's out there but um i like i like the idea of moving back into to, to non-biased editorial mm-hmm. and to really like to your point, having having points of view that um, give access to readers and to subscribers and to followers, and that's that's totally something you it, that you sourced or that you mm-hmm. found, uncovered.
2: So I've always wanted to ask you this. So um, I believe Brilliant was your first foray into the magazine slash PR slash slash style world. What made you decide to reach out to Lance? reach out to Brilliant Magazine and make that a go? Uh,
1: One of Lance's dear friends at the time was the mother of one of my girlfriends from camp. And she sort of facilitated that introduction after learning that um, my major in college was PR. Um, So my minor was advertising advertising. Um, I Ended up double majoring in Spanish, but Ola, <laughs> that <laughs> revistas, si es <laughs>
2: <See us forgot.
0: laughs>
1: that is how that happened. And I, I Lance is actually, the, you know, doing that. And we started; he started a PR firm that um, I learned so much. We opened the Intermex store that's still in the same place in North Park Mall, and there are a lot of other activations that, you know, I assisted with and on. And he got me my first job out in Los Angeles, and. You know, it's kind of been the PR world since. I met my husband. I mean, I could really have you to think for a lot. Oh, you're
0: very funny. You got your own job everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> De Yeah, did not. Yeah. No, well, you know, what, to your point, Rob, I mean, Natalie had an incredible point of view early on. And I think you worked with us for, I mean, years, like three or four years. That was a long time. And I know that you were always busy with your other part-time jobs, your nanny jobs, everything like that. And you always made it work. And I've always admired that as someone who also had a lot of part-time jobs in college, uh, as well as taking a full course load. And um, I think that, you know, a special person comes to the door. You see the talent, you cultivate it, you help it, you help that talent however you can. And that's Natalie, all in one big package now.
1: Well, all the part-time jobs were also because of my love of these boutiques here. I mean, I shopped at By George and I kicked Plead. And there, you know, there was one on Guadalupe that I can't remember right now, but Estilo had Mm -hmm. just opened. And I wanted all these, I just fell in love with sort of this boutique shopping. And I loved doing that. And I... I needed, my parents, you know, were not, you know, they didn't understand. I mean, being from Vernon, how could a pair of jeans be more than, you know, $50, you know, and these are like $250, and so (laughs) I I worked to supplement the, you know, what my parents kindly budgeted for me, and it was for shopping, for Mm -hmm. fashion. Yeah.
0: And you always look like a million dollars then and now, which is awesome. <laughs> well, Thank and you. to that, how did your time,
2: you know, in college and in Austin before you went to Dallas as well as Los Angeles? How does how does that Austin, Natalie, still present itself in style today?
1: I think Austin is a place, which one of the reasons why I really love it so much is that going back, you can you can march the beat of your own drum here. You, I could wear, you know, my little sorority T-shirt with just a funky, gypsy kind of skirt, full skirt with some, you know, awesome beaded sandals and not get a weird look, you know. You mm-hmm. can't really pull that look off just anywhere. Or mm-hmm. I could wear, you know, I could go to some jam band concert decked out in some preppy thing. And it, it just, you really kind of come into your own, or I did, I feel like, you know, I, I gravitated toward what, spoke to me at the boutiques or you know, what, what kind of fashion designers I fell in love with or started following. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think the individual, the sense of self and individuality in Austin is um, has played into my love of fashion, I would say.
0: Well, and you lived in, you have lived in Dallas and you do live in LA. Tell us about kind of the comparison of style of those cities too and what you've found that you like and you don't like perhaps.
1: I do think perhaps in Dallas the women maybe it, it's difficult because the fashion in Dallas is so extremely incredible and mm-hmm. amazing and, and the brands that have come on board and, and you know come to trunk shows and I, I think that Dallas has an incredible sense of fashion I do believe that there are a certain set that take risks and wear the most incredible pieces but I do think that perhaps there is Another set that really is doesn't take the risks, mm-hmm. um, whereas in Austin, I think everyone is just kind of their, their own self and they don't really care mm-hmm. what other people think. And then in Los Angeles, I mean, <laughs> it's just such a mixed bag. I anything mean, goes. Anything goes. Yeah, there's a lot of the entertainment you know world and you know everything. One thing that I will say about Los Angeles fashion is that it is so relaxed. And I really do miss and love coming to Texas and going to a dinner at Jeffrey's here, or going to, you know, somewhere in Dallas. And every, men are in their sport coat, mm-hmm. or and sometimes will be in a tie because mm-hmm. they just got back from a business meeting, or yeah. Whereas in LA, you never see, you never see that polished sort of professional attire, and I miss, I like that. I think I, I miss that.
0: And even the attire in LA is, you know, even though a woman maybe wearing a great tank top and jeans and some heels and some good jewels. The tank top's Prada, and it's 600. So it's not like it's the cool kind of boyfriend, A-line tank top sort of thing. So then there's always... Labels
1: there labels matter. Labels and an
0: expense attached mm-hmm. to that, you know. So I don't know if that that supports or enhances that self-confidence in a town that isn't really known for self-confidence. You know, I don't know.
1: That's a great yeah. observation. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I was just going to ask. So it sounds like it would be fair to say that being in LA has really kind of in a certain way helped you inspire Vassil, just because it it really is about independent emerging people with you know that aren't necessarily known by everybody and everyone's rushing to the store to get to really kind of help curate and nurture them and to keep your awesome individuality alive in a city where like you said it is a mixed bag
1: absolutely there are a couple of Los Angeles designers on my site and I found them in the most Strange, you know, strangest, most obscure ways. So, there is a lot of talent there, but um, I do think that you know, embracing sort of the unknown is is not really what Angelinos are known for. Maybe, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's interesting how that's you know, when I lived there for so long, it was a very dressy town. It was a more dressy era period. But every lunch, and you know, I wore a tie for years. But every lunch, you had to have a sport coat, and it also was kind of your uniform. Right? Maybe kind of an armor, if you will. And also, okay, so you, one thing that we know already, and if anyone who doesn't know Natalie bomb Bloomingdale, they know she's unique and interesting. And so, Natalie, I have a kind of a fun question for you that I'd like to jump into. What is it that... Um, what what may not be on your resume that people know about you that does sort of encapsulate that uniqueness?
1: Okay. Well, I, I mean... Vernon is extremely near and dear to my heart. It's my tiny, you know, hometown. Where is Vernon? <laughs> exactly. Tell everyone. I can't. Nobody knows. <laughs> um, it is three hours northwest of Dallas. Mm-hmm. It is um, north, an hour north of Wichita Falls on 287. A lot of people in Texas know it because when they go skiing in Colorado and they're driving, they take 287, and mm-hmm. um, there's some fun billboards that say "Ski Vernon" because we now have Hampton Inn and. Another we, things that we didn't have when I grew up. So, um, but I do think the small town mentality, but also the work ethic that you know, my father is a cattle rancher and farmer, and um, you know, generations of that. And it's it's tough. It's tough living. It's hard work.
0: Yeah. It is,
1: and it's you know, seeing that and admiring that. You know, my draw. A lot of times, you know, like I said, I, you know, I'd help my dad. You know, I'd mow the lawn. <laughs> I don't know if people know that I know how to work a lawnmower, but yeah. I do.
0: That I can do. It, I can
1: weed eat and edge. That that
0: is so much more <laughs> uncommon than it used to be. But that. your your work ethic combined with your talent combined with your ambition equals Natalie Bond Bloomingdale.
2: It does, and you Thank know you. You. you did you did take that talent and that entrepreneurial spirit that really is endemic of Tex- Texans and Austinites. I really think, and you started your own PR firm, Nation Lee. Um, what made you decide to do that and take the leap and branch out onto your own?
1: Well, at the time, I, so I, I've worked for a couple of you know PR agencies and working in agencies, you don't really get to decide which clients you want to take. And in one instance, my business partner and I were approached by um, a fabulous female entrepreneur who really couldn't afford the high retainer uh, that a, an agency requires or, or calls for. And um, we started sort of working with her, especially my business partner. I would say much more so, um, and and inter- made some great introductions. And all of a sudden, she, you know, Barney's is calling, and next thing you know, she's you know a Porte. I mean, she she became huge, and I I loved so much, and it was so rewarding to see your work being directly I mean directly impacting a, a brand or a, a designer's trajectory and and Mm -hmm. success and, and, you know, being a part of that and doing things that, that you believe in, not just, you know, the brands that we work with, it's actually a lot like the Sill. We don't work with any brands that we don't, wouldn't personally wear or have in our own closets or, you know, we don't take clients that we don't feel like would be a good fit for whatever reason. So, you know, it's, we're selective because, you know, it's our agency and that's why we started it. And we, so we can be, and another, you know, it's just, it's incredible, it's incredibly humbling, you know, to see a designer grow and know that you, you know, were a part of that and or helped that in, in whatever way or could be a part of their story. So it's been it's been incredible.
2: That's amazing. And what is what is the one what's the one thing you think you that all the clients you take on have in common?
0: Yeah, what's that one thread that runs through all of them?
1: Well, kind of like with the SIL, we we believe in them personally. We want to work with. We want them to do well. We want them to achieve their you know measures of success, whatever. Whether it's you know sales, you can't really direct you know sales or, or more reach a wider following or you know hopefully get picked up by stores. I mean, it all PR kind of all plays into that in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thread I would say is just our eye and and who we understand or, or you know like their approach or they're all female um they're all entrepreneurial they're all you know three of our clients were we've now secured to be in the forbes 30 under 30 list so some of them are you know younger in their brand cycle but have such promise and um i i just say you know female female power <laughs> yeah
0: truly <laughs> bring I mean, it well and natalie has always been a powerful female herself so that makes total sense <laughs> all right let's w- switch gears a little bit here What would someone, we talked about your resume and what someone wouldn't know, but tell me what would bug someone about you? Do you have this, is there any side to you that people are like, oh, brother, Natalie, get Uh, over it.
1: Someone once told me that other people's opinions about me are really none of my business.
0: Okay, words to live by. That needs to be needle pointed on a pillow. And, and sold at the sold. Those are really great words to live by. Yeah, that is love that.
2: that is quite possibly the best answer I've ever heard totally a human being give to that, that question. Holy totally dang that,
0: ladies and gentlemen, the
2: Zen of Natalie so, Dawn So on that note, how would you tell, let's say, someone who's aspiring, let's say that's 18, 19, 20, or twenty-one, to actually do that? How, how do you filter any of the negative out, especially in an era where social media is so prevalent?
1: My dad's words: Do your best just be the best you, you know, wake up in the morning, try your hardest, do the best, you know, you.
0: And then you don't have to worry about what people say because you know you're doing your best right. and you know that that's as that's good as it, it gets. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And
1: you don't have anything to feel bad about or regret or wish you, you know, you, you did your best yeah. and you can smile about it.
0: So here's another fun question I'm gonna throw at you. Tell me about the last costume you wore.
1: I was probably about 10 years old. What, you
0: haven't been in a costume since And it was then? Halloween. Oh, brother.
1: I think I was a bride, actually.
0: Okay. Look at where that <laughs> got you. There you go. Look at where that got you. Married. I think
1: Halloween and costumes are for children.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Not for adults.
1: Yeah. I don't really. Yep. Can't. Okay. That's probably... So
0: you're not a dress up gal. That'd be Except an... in your everyday life. Correct. Gotcha. <laughs> so, all
2: right. On that, on that note, tell us about like your work, like your work style and your personal style. Do you integrate them or how are they similar and different?
1: I would say my work style kind of is my style. I do try to incorporate, you know, brands and designers that I wear. You know, it's why I created the website is because I tend to, you know, I gravitate toward the same kind of designers and, and looks. Um, and so I really love interesting, thought-provoking pieces. Um, I like I like supporting young talent and I like finding, you know, Finding something a little different or off the mm-hmm. off the beaten path.
0: Yeah, so you won't see yourself coming or going. That's my grandma <laughs> used to say. Right, to someone else I do wearing believe the same outfit.
1: sometimes with with fashion, it's you can. I read this in some old magazine or something. Sometimes it was it was a discussion about um, a very famous designer and and about the art of model of modeling of you know models. And he said, you know, you have to make sure that, that you wear the clothes and not mm-hmm. ever let the clothes wear you. Because right. sometimes you can see that, that, you know, it's it may look like an amazing piece and it may be very expensive or it may have been a great sale or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And... You have to make sure that when you look in the mirror or when you walk into a room that you're wearing them, right? (laughs) not the other way around.
0: That's true. Well, I think that speaks to the self-confidence that you referred to before, having that self-confidence of knowing what works, knowing what doesn't, saying no, saying no a lot more than you say yes to different outfits and different styles that just aren't. You know, on that note, it's okay if people change it up and they refresh and, and what have you or try a new color or a new cut. But yeah, I think you, yeah, that innate style, it's always with you. It is, and when,
2: and it's funny, even when there is let let's say someone whose style isn't necessarily yours, but they totally pull it off. you can see that they're wearing the clothes. I really have an appreciation, and really, for me, style is more an appreciation than anything else. Um how do you feel about that, Natalie?
1: I totally respect when when someone can pull something off that I know would just be horrific and I wish that on my on me and I wish that I could go and, and try it on and I just know you know I love that I mean I, there are some you know style icons that just look so fabulous in in their own way that I they're not it's not my way and I, I wouldn't be able to do it if I tried but I think that's what makes the individual you know, it's such a beautiful thing.
0: On that note, who are some of the style icons that you are loving these days? Both celebrity, non-celebrity. Anyone in the public eye that you think, wow, okay, I get that. I could do that. I am that. Anyone like that?
1: I don't really look at style in that way. Okay. Um, I really, you know, there are women that I admire. You know, like my husband's grandmother, for example, mm-hmm. Betsy Bloomingdale. Every time I saw her, she was just polished and poised and elegant and, you know, her fashion choices were so carefully constructed and, um, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think of my own grandmother, um, my dad's mom, just same thing, you know, always very put together, very ladylike, um, you know, the one that had the name in (laughs) the personal jobber, but, um, there are just texas women you know like take michelle Newsbomber. she's she's mm-hmm. someone that i admire she she's an incredible interior designer and she has such an eye and whenever she travels she picks things up and you know there i just i i appreciate i appreciate more than i think i try to emulate
0: gotcha well and all these women are significantly older than you are which is interesting that you gravitate toward a more polished aesthetic maybe of yesteryear
1: I definitely I love vintage fashion from the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. So when I am in some rabbit hole on, you know, Etsy or First Dibs or wherever you find Got vintage it. fashion, which by the way, there aren't not that many e-commerce places for you know, great fashion, but vintage fashion. Right. Um but I those are the silhouettes. Mm-hmm. I, I like the beautiful beautiful the the fabric, you know, the mm-hmm. fabrics are so heavy, the construction is so exquisite um it's the way that things were built back then are just not how they are today and so i i do it's they're flattering on the female form Mm -hmm. um i like i like the lines i I love that era for Mm -hmm. sure yeah but michelle is not that old (laughs) well i'm talking about my grandmother's and yes right yeah yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely i'm I'm with you (laughs) she's (laughs) super young and young at heart right yeah with that capsule collection (laughs) well thank you so much again for being here we're big fans of yours we love what your point of view is and keep making the world more beautiful would you please
1: this is such an honor i Really appreciate it, and thank you for this fun afternoon.
2: This is Rob Giardinelli sounding off for Success With Style, reminding you that great style starts with a unique point of view. Have a great day, everyone.